welcome to Superman Forever Radio. This is episode 32, and I am your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder. And this is the last of the regular Thursday episodes. We tried the, the twice-weekly format for a while. It's not that it didn't work, it's not that it was bad, but ultimately it just didn't, uh, it didn't seem like there was a point to it. It just seemed like it was just an obnoxious amount of posting. But uh, going back to the once-a-week format after this... So it will actually be, I'm actually really excited about that, to be honest. Uh, I did this as a trial just to see if it would kind of smooth out some of the wrinkles in my programming schedule, if it would sort of even things out. And it it didn't necessarily do that, but it didn't necessarily fail at that. Ultimately, what the decision to go back to it was, there's a better way to do things. Um, normally, I would do a topic in Superman the Animated Series on Sunday and the reviews here. And it occurred to me that, why, why? Why can't I just take a topic out of the books we're reviewing that month and just sort of explore the post-Infinite Crisis era a little bit more fully? For example, uh, you know, let's say the action comics we've been reviewing talks a lot about Jimmy Olsen. Well, this is a good time to talk about Jimmy Olsen. So it just seems like I could make that show a little bit more organic, do it once a week, and just make it as the best Superman show I can. And it's also supplemented by the SFR Daily Planet, which is daily, as uh, indicated by the name. So it just it seemed like a good time to go back to that and just make that once weekly really awesome show. And that's not to say every now and then I won't do a one-off here and there, just as a you know side note. But generally speaking, we're going to go back to that once a week. We're going to be reviewing the books, kind of drawing the topics out of that, really exploring them as fully as we can. Because eventually we're going to catch up to the books that are on the stands, and that should be... Giving the miniseries things, uh, you know, one-offs here and there should be sometime around this time next year, a little bit after. And at that point, of course, the format's going to have to change a little bit because, I mean, just less books. So I wouldn't be able to do a full episode on the month's books except for maybe once a month. So let's have, you know, kind of enjoy what we've got here. I've got a ton of topics still sitting there from when I very first conceived of the show you know, I decided, do I have enough topics to fill up a year's worth of episodes and kind of went uh, well overboard. And I've honestly not touched half, if not more of those. So a lot of those we're still going to explore. I'm still going to do things like talk about It's Superman by Tom DeHaven. It's not a major overhaul, more of a smoothing out, kind of like pizza dough. Let's smooth it out. Let's spread it out. Let's make it a little bit more balanced. And of course, I'm, this is, uh, I'm highly excited right now because Sunday... This Sunday, May 29th, is the Superman Forever Radio live episode. And I know podcasts have done live streaming recordings and things like that before. This podcast hasn't, so I'm excited. And it turns out, ironically, that apparently Kevin Smith's Modcast is doing a marathon that day. So I picked an awesome day to do a live broadcast. And uh, going into that, I do want to set some ground rules. They're going to be on the site when you get there. Sunday at about 5.30 p.m. Central Time, what you will see is the homepage of supermanforever.com will switch over, and the live streaming will be right there, the live chat will be there, and you'll be able to just pull up supermanforever.com and be ready for 6 p.m. Central Time when the live show kicks off. You'll be able to call in, and the, the phone number is, as always, 703-95-SUPER which is 703-957-8737. But somebody put it, uh, pointed out, um, will I be able to jump in by Skype? And yes, you will. My username is david.weeder, ever so original. And yeah, you can find me on Skype. The only thing I ask is if you're going to 
chime in on Skype, let me know ahead of time. That way, if I'm on a call on this side of the equation, we're not getting bombarded. So just add me as david.weeder. And about, you know, just about the time you're ready to, to call in, give me a quick text. Let me know. That way, what you're not going to be seeing is me frantically looking around, figuring out how to switch. But it, it should go smoothly. And so Skype, and you can also call in the 703-95-SUPER. And, of course, you can tweet me, and there will be a live chat right there on the page. So I'm really excited. I do ask that you hold all calls, Skype or otherwise, until the, the phone lines are open. That way, um, you know, I'm going to have some, you know, some things to get out of the way up front. And then we got sort of a bit of an organization. And of course, no profanity, no vulgarness. We're here to have a good time and talk about Superman. So let's keep it clean. This is a family show. And I don't know if I mentioned this before. I'm pretty certain I haven't. But the live episode is going to be brought to you by a sponsor. TheRustedChain.com has been excellent. And they're they're sponsoring the episode. And if you don't know TheRustedChain.com, it's actually the blog and jewelry design of a mompreneur. mompreneur I can't even say the word. Mompreneur? Mama, mompreneur? Well, by a Kansas mom who... Uh, makes wonderful jewelry, has a blog about being a mom in Kansas and uh, really gets annoyed when I refer to the entire state of Kansas as Smallville. But she is fantastic. Her name is Becky. I highly recommend her, her necklaces and her foil stamp jewelry, specifically a sterling silver keychain she made for the show that is, as I mentioned, sterling silver. It has the words truth, justice, forever stamped right on it. And right now, as of this episode, if you purchase that for $19 at uh, therustedchain.com, you are actually going to be contributing to the Joplin, Missouri Tornado Recovery because she is donating 20% of all proceeds. So with Father's Day coming up, and I know the ladies like to get gifts, be sure and check out therustedchain.com, and we'll talk a little bit more about that Sunday. But for now, let's move on with the episode. I mean, the live episode is coming up. So what I've done this week is, if you look at the month of October... The cover dates, there are five, count them five books. And what I do is I try to even out with four books an episode. It seems to be an even number. It seems to work. So with five books, what I'm going to do this week is actually just do one book leading up to the live episode. And when we come back with episode 34, we'll actually cover the rest of the books for October and do elsewhere in the DC universe. So this may be a shorter episode than normal, but it's a good start off and it kind of segues perfectly into returning to the one one episode a week format. So I'm going to play a quick promo, and we're going to take a look at our early October of 07 book, Action Comics number 853. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com. Covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com and as we begin our look at the October issues of uh, the Superman books, October 2007, I'm going to start with Action Comics 853, as I mentioned. It was cover dated early October of 2007, but went on sale August 1st of 2007. 
and this is The Signal, which is also reprinted in Superman 321 Action Trade Paperback, which you can find at Amazon or on the sidebar at supermanforever.com, specifically in the Superman Forever radio page. This issue was written by Kurt Busiek, penciled by Brad Walker, inked by John Livesay, lettered by Jared K. Fletcher, colored by Peter Pantazis, colored also by Lee Lowridge, edited by Matt Idelson and Nachi Castro, and of course Superman, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And just like last issue, we begin at the Metropolis Zoo, where all the monkeys have dropped dead from kryptonite poisoning. The zookeeper asks, who could have done this thing? And the scene switches to Stryker's Island, where the shape-shifting kryptonite monkey from last issue shows up at the window of the kryptonite man, who is being held in a dampening device. And kryptonite man says, I could totally siphon your power if you could get closer, which the monkey conveniently does by shape-shifting through the bars. Meanwhile, Jimmy's been using his newfound powers to fight crime, and he just nabbed his first supervillain, and the Metropolis crowd, who who knows him as Mr. Action adores this new hero. The girls are swooning. The guys are in awe. Jimmy, however, has questions as to, you know, where do the powers come from? Why do they spontaneously start? And how does he know that Robin is Tim Drake and Wonder Woman is Diana Prince? And why is it that every time he thinks of Superman, he pictures Clark Kent? So Jimmy, uh, with all these questions in his head, smelling like Chinese food because he doesn't really know where to stash his clothes when changing into his superhero gear goes back to his home in Baker Line, where he tries to ask a girl named Gina out on a date. And she's not so much into it because A, he smells like Chinese food, and B, he's being upstaged by a guy with a puppy. You can have all the powers and abilities in the world you want, but you're not going to beat the puppy. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. So Jimmy goes into his apartment all dejected. And the next day at the Daily Planet, Perry's giving Jimmy and Clark another assignment together, apparently having proven himself at last issue. But Clark has to run out on this assignment when he sees the television report that the kryptonite man has escaped from Strikers, no doubt with the help of the monkey. And Jimmy wonders, that's odd, that's convenient. Hmm, you never noticed that before, Olson? Anyway, over at the Ryder Tech facility on the Avenue of Tomorrow, Kryptonite Man is raiding the place for scientific equipment and irritating the scientists very lightly to secure him. He mentions that he can actually siphon that back out. You may feel ill for a little while, but you're going to be cool. You're going to be fine. Following the robbery, Jimmy stumbles across one of the scientists who is just kind of ambling about in the street. And the scientist fills him in that the Kryptonite Man has gotten away with some equipment. So Jimmy gets right on the case as Mr. Action. The Kryptonite Man is actually right now going online to the Internet. If you don't know what the Internet is, it's a super deluxe version of the Internet. And it was created by Darkseid. It's apocalyptic. It's deluxe. You actually interface almost in a 3D world. So Kryptonite Man's on a chat room. I kid you not, a chat room. With Dr. Cyber, the calculator, Tobias Whale, and the Atomic Skull. And what he wants is he wants just lab equipment to continue his research. And he's not above, I mean, considering he's on the lam, he's not above asking criminals to help him. And in the in return, they'll get first crack at whatever he invents. And the criminals are kind of liking this. I mean, they see the potential there, but Jimmy bursts into the room where he's cyber chatting and a fight ensues. And Jimmy takes a full-on blast of kryptonite right after smacking the monkey away. But this blast doesn't affect him because A, he's human, and B, he's protected by 
turtle power. No, 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 you heard that right, turtle power. He develops a shell. Obviously, it's a reference to Turtle Boy. But a fight ensues from there between Jimmy and Kryptonite Man with, you know, with a little tit for tat, but the Kryptonite Man actually ends up overpowering him, unmasking him, saying he doesn't recognize Jimmy, and then locks Jimmy away into a, basically a supply closet, which is ironic. And Jimmy realizes, okay, I'm out of my league, it's time to signal Superman, but his signal watch is broken. Luckily, the irony comes into play in the fact that Kryptonite Man locked Jimmy in a room filled with electronics equipment. How convenient. Meanwhile, over at Metro County Hospital, doctors are treating that scientist, that scientist who Jimmy found earlier, for light kryptonite exposure, saying he is going to be fine. We don't understand how it's so controlled. Superman happens to be flying by and overhears, taps on the window and says, where did you find this man? What's going on? And then, the, you know, he learns the scientist was wandering the Avenue of Tomorrow, so he streaks off and crashes in on the kryptonite man. And Superman's actually holding his own against an enemy made of kryptonite, thanks to a spray-on polymer created by Phineas Potter. Unfortunately, as the kryptonite man points out, Phineas Potter didn't take the melting point of the plastic into account when making it, which allows the kryptonite man to strip it right away. And of course, this leaves Superman vulnerable to the kryptonite rays, and basically he gets uh, overpowered. Jimmy, however, has had some success in recreating a signal device, which draws the attention of, well, another Kryptonian you might recognize, who comes crashing through the wall. And now, after all this time in the post-Infinite Crisis era, we finally, finally get the return of a character who is so important to the Superman mythology, who is a great character in their own right, and they're just standing there ready to take on the Kryptonite Man. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the return of Crypto, the super dog. And that's where the issue wraps up. Which really kind of gets me psyched about continuing the rest of the story when we come back with episode 34. And hell, I mean, I love Crypto. I've said it a couple episodes ago. So how psyched am I? I am very psyched. Because this marks the first official appearance of Crypto since the end of Infinite Crisis in early 2006. And multiple times there's been a tease for a crypto story, but the story never happened. And once again, beyond that, beyond the return of crypto, the that last couple of pages really psyched me up. The rest of the issue, you know, it's a it's another straightforward Superman universe adventure. And Jimmy is once again at the forefront. He's, he's going to be through several of the issues we'll be looking at for October 2007. But uh, the, the Mr. Action gimmick, while it hasn't gotten tired yet, it easily can. And probably will by the time we get done with these issues. But luckily, the Dial H for Hero rotating powers aspect does manage to keep it fresh. Even if it's a bit annoying. And we do get confirmation that the shape-shifting monkey is, indeed, the same monkey from the lab incident from Up, Up, and Away, which did create the Kryptonite Man. So generally, I'm, I, I like that consistency there because if you go back to that issue, the explosion happens. Abernathy starts tearing up the streets. You see the bodies of the other scientists who were in the room, but there's no mention of the monkey. So it was kind of that dropped ball that's kind of come back full circle. So right there, you got to be psyched. That's good storytelling. Generally speaking, I enjoyed this issue. I enjoyed reading it. 
I was entertained by it. But as soon as I closed the book, I forgot about it. It was beyond crypto showing up. It was it was persona non grata, which is it kind of makes me think of the uh, recent villains on the new season of Doctor Who, where as soon as you look away, you forget them. I'd forgotten this issue existed. I reread it ahead of time, put it away, forgot it again. So when I pulled it out to finally do the review, hey, okay, now I remember it because I'm looking at it. And I know in in one way, it's it's exactly what a comic book should be in terms of, uh, you know, just a here and there baseline. I was entertained a bit. I ended up looking forward to the next issue. And then uh, basically I was done. It was a very simple reading experience. But I do like to think a little bit more when reading. I'm good with an occasional one-off, but I like to think. I like to have a little bit of substance to what I'm reading. And this was just a bunch of setups for various fights. So it was it was okay. <laughs> the art is acceptable. Uh, just like it was last issue, Superman still looks goony as all get out. Which is kind of repaired by the fact that he doesn't really appear much in this issue. As I mentioned, it's more in the round face and hooked chin. He doesn't look stoic. He doesn't look heroic. He just looks odd, like he's wearing some sort of Jay Leno mask. And I get that Superman's going to have a prominent chin, but a lantern jaw is not what I'm looking for in the Man of Steel. You're looking for this character, this character for hope, to save the day, and he... This is going to be an odd reference. If anybody remembers, back in the 90s, there was a battery commercial that had these people in huge latex outfits that covered them head to toe. So they looked like some sort of walking animation. That's what his the Superman makes me think of. But it, it didn't detract so much for this issue because he wasn't in it. Which is not really a good solution to some weak art. But I think, I guess to sum it up, my overall sentiment is it wasn't bad, but it didn't overwhelm me in the negative. It didn't overwhelm me in the positive. I read it. I was not overjoyed to read it, but I was entertained. I kept my attention. So I'm not overwhelmed. I'm simply whelmed for those total, uh, pardon me, total justice. Wow. Let's go back to the nineties toy line. Let's put some fractal tech gear on. Let's, <laughs> I don't remember if anybody remembers this toy line. Total Justice actually came out in the 90s, and it was the first line to really... It had the modern age Kyle Rayner. It had an actual Wally West figure. It, uh, it, was, it was mainly a Batman line, because I think Kenner owned that license, so a lot of the characters got shoehorned in by way of that. And they also did own the license to Superman, as far as I know, because they did the Superman Man of Steel figures. But basically, instead of just doing straightforward figures, they did these really awkwardly posed, overly muscled caricatures of the characters. And on top of that, they all came with what was known as fractal tech gear. This technology that helped them fight crime for some reason, as if their powers weren't good enough. A Green Lantern rings the most powerful construct in the universe. Sorry. <laughs> But these figures were terrible, and it just, I don't know why I made a callback. What I meant to reference was the Young Justice cartoon. And I am simply whelmed by this issue. And that was the reference I was trying to make before going back to the 90s in the time machine. But yes, I, I basically, I give this issue a quarter bin rating. It really could have been better. It feels like Busick 
in this, he's trying to do a callback to the Bronze Age, a little bit Silver Agey, but with a modern flair. And we've seen writers do that with varying degrees of success. Some of them have been phenomenal. All-Star Superman comes to mind. But we've also seen it done in great failure. Here, it doesn't drop the ball. It does still tell a story. It does still It's still cohesive. It just doesn't do anything. So I'm going to give this issue a rating of quarter bin. If you find it, great. And if you're a completionist, of course, you may already have it as we speak. But if you're out looking for random issues and you want to be entertained, eh, this one wouldn't be at the top of the list, but it certainly wouldn't be at the bottom. So I'm going to play a quick promo and come back, and then we'll wrap this episode up. The Superman Fan Podcast is turning over a new leaf for 2011. With the growth of Superman Podcasts in 2010 covering the Golden Age of Superman, the Bronze Age Superman, the post-crisis Superman, as well as current Superman stories, I noticed that there was not a podcast which covered the Silver Age of Superman stories. And since I began reading comic books in the early to mid-1960s, right in the middle of the Silver Age, I decided it would be a perfect opportunity for me to cover the Silver Age of Superman stories. One week I will cover the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and eventually Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. The next week I will cover the Man of Steel's titles of Superman and Action Comics, as well as the Supergirl stories. And I will alternate episodes in this fashion through 1970 when Mark Weisinger retired. The home website is at supermanfanpodcast.mypodcast.com and expanded show notes are at supermanfanpodcast.blogspot.com. Your emails are welcome at supermanfanpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to reading them. The Superman Fan Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network, which you can find at www.fortressofbailey2.com slash supermanpodcastnetwork, where you can find all of the podcasts covering every era of the Man of Steel. Episodes are also available on iTunes. So join me each week as we fly through the time barrier and journey through the Silver Age adventures of Superman. And I'm going to go ahead and do an email here uh, just to kind of round out the episode. This is from fan Doug, or from listener Douglas Meacham. And he writes, Hi Dave, sorry this input is over a month late, but like I told you earlier on via Facebook, I'm catching up on with the episodes after being on a boat for over a month. I'm on a boat! Sorry, I had to. I had to. Concerning Zod as the villain for the revamp of Superman movies, I have two opposing opinions. One, like you've said, we've seen him before in films and recently in other media. It would be nice to finally see a live-action version of the comics version of Brainiac, preferably the post-Infinite Crisis version. Yes. And seeing how I feel no new Superman film will be complete without Lex somewhere in the wings, if not front and center, it would be nice to see the two in league against the Man of Steel. I know we've seen it in comics several times, but let's see how it works in a movie. Brainiac would fit the bill for a more physical Superman to punch around, and I've heard fellow podcasters and listeners talk about how they'd love to see the villain on the big screen. 
too. On the other hand, it would be nice to see how Shannon makes this character his own, kind of like how Heath Ledger did with the Joker. It would be refreshing to finally see a brand new Zod with no connection to the Terrence stamp, seeing how this is supposed to be a fresh start. As always, I'm enjoying every episode of the show, whether it's on the stands or in the back issue bin. Thanks for reading my email, Doug Meacham. And thank you for writing in, Doug. I, I tend to agree. I think, I, I well, on the Lex front, let me start there. I would love to see Lex in, in the wings, but I don't want him to be the main villain. I've always seen Lex as a really good facilitator. Uh, by that, I mean you have this roundhouse villain. And I know this is going to bring back some memories of Nuclear Man. So for that, I apologize, but that's not the intention here. But sort of helping the big bad, uh, much like Superman 2, where he helps Zod, and sort of, and just kind of being a real pain in his own right, but never being the upfront villain, because Superman's a not completely physical character, but he's a very physical character, to use that word. And Brainiac, especially the post-Infinite Crisis Brainiac, which I can't talk about much here, because we haven't gotten to it yet, Suffice it to say, it supplies the physical, it supplies a character challenge. I totally agree with you. I want to see Lex in there, but I, I don't disrespect Michael Shannon as an actor by any means. And he was definitely an inspired choice. He was definitely something that was thought through. And it does kind of pique my curiosity to see how they're going to play this out. So right now, I mean, even though my, my excitement level went down a little bit when I found out Zob was the villain... I'm, I'm still going to, I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to see the movie at midnight opening day. And um, I want to, I am curious to see what happens. I'm still holding out complete, you know, completely writing it off or supporting it. But it's sort of a we'll see. But I do agree with you 100%. I want to see Lex in there somewhere on the sides, at least a mention or a reference or a cameo. And I would love to see Brainiac just tear things up. But that's not the way they went to, you know, decided to go. So I'm not going to lament it too much, because if we support this movie, there will be sequels, and surely, at some point, Brainiac will get his due. But anyway, that's going to wrap up this episode. As I mentioned, it's going to be shorter than normal in preparation for the big day, Sunday, May 29th, this Sunday, at 6 p.m. Central Time, the live episode. You'll actually be able to call in and talk with me, as I mentioned, ad nauseum before. And then I'll be back the following Sunday with a regular episode, episode 34, in which we do continue through the books of October 2007. We're going to talk about Bizarro. And we're also going to look at two episodes of Superman the Animated Series, both featuring Lobo. So we're going to talk about Lobo a little bit there. So we're looking at a really good episode on June 5th. So remember to come back there. And I want to thank you for supporting the show, uh, not just in general but also you know doing the twice a week format i it it was fantastic while it lasted and i'm not saying i have ideas for the future where i might do a midweek episode for a limited time maybe covering specific storylines or something along that nature but as far as the regular superman forever radio i'm psyched to get back to the once a week episode and make that episode the best it can be and don't forget uh the sfr daily planet which will kind of have a nice uh, refreshing breathing room once this episode this midweek episode is out it is monday through friday well monday through wednesday and then friday uh, right at supermanforever.com you can click on the link or go directly to it at the shortcut sfr.supermanforever.com and that's bringing you all the news from the world of superman and i appreciate you guys downloading this i appreciate the 
the emails and uh, look forward to Sunday. Remember, 6 p.m. Central Time, Superman Forever Radio, episode 33, live right at supermanforever.com. This has been Superman Forever Radio, a production of supermanforever.com. As always, you can find the show and leave a review on iTunes or visit supermanforever.com. And of course, the show is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, where you can find other great Superman podcasts covering all eras of the Man of Steel at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Drop the show an email at mail at supermanforever.com or follow the show on Twitter. The username is at Superman, the number four, ever. Superman Forever. And you, be, you can become a fan of the show on Facebook. Simply search for supermanforever.com and press the like button. Leave a voicemail at the call in line, which is 703-95-SUPER. That's 703-957-8737. Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, and related elements are trademarks of DC Comics, a Warner Brothers Entertainment Company. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and no profit is made from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, and until next episode, keep on fighting the never-ending battle.